Hello and welcome to They Just Get It. My name is Tyler Chisholm and I'm excited as I often am to be with my guest this morning, Mr. Eric Bennett. Hi. How's it going, Eric? How's your, how's your, how's your morning? I know we've had a chat offline, so I know you've had an adventurous morning, but how's your day going so far? Yeah, well, it's better now. Excellent. Well, thank yeah. you. You've got, we're sitting here, we're in podcast zone, we're having a chat. You and I have known each other for how long? Maybe... 15 years, 10, yeah, a mutual, a mutual friend. So it's kind of all of a sudden we became friends, which I love when that happens. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Eric, you're a complex guy with a lot on the go. So let's start kind of breaking it down. First, first senior wealth advisor at Scotia Wealth, Wealth, Scotia Wealth Management. Yep. How long have you been in that role? Uh, with uh, Scotia just over eight and a half years ago. Okay. Yeah. And been in the industry, the financial industry for how long? I think we're looking at about 13 years now. Oh, interesting. And how did, how did you end up and dive right into it? Kind of how did you end up down that path? Mm. So, yeah, interesting. Um, well, my previous life was working in the services industry and uh, as a chef, actually. And so... Uh, ah, that's yeah. Okay. During, I, I love these podcasts because I get to learn all the things that I forgot about people I know. <laughs> yeah. That guy could cook? What? <laughs> I um yeah so uh, during that period I worked my way up through the line to uh, sous chef to eventual uh, executive chef position and um, it, it was interesting because some of those mornings or those days after I did menu costing and food costing I'd be sitting there with uh, some of the owners uh, of the of the establishment and they'd be sitting there on the phones with their stockbrokers buy sell this and they'd be reading the 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 stock oh, pages and the times and and I'd be sitting there drinking coffee with them and kind of like learning a little bit about what the heck they were doing. I had no idea. It was, it was a world so far removed from what I was ever used to. And um, yeah, it kind of got me thinking and, and got me a little bit interested in the in the stock markets at that time. And But more so, uh, I was interested in learning more about this world that was, you know, wasn't open to me, you know. Okay. Yeah. How do you mean when you say not open to you? How do you mean? So yeah, well, my father passed when I was young. I was about 15 years old. He died young from cancer. And, okay. Oh, um, really? So, I didn't know that. And so um, I have a younger brother, younger sister, and myself. Um, my mom, who's a nurse, um, recently retired from Rocky View, uh, raised us on a nurse's salary. You know, so we weren't, you know, hard off, but you know, uh, we weren't well to do. Yeah, so it was a good. Yeah, I understand. She she did great for us. You know, um, and, and you grew up here in Calgary. Yeah, born and raised. Yeah, ah, in so, Calgary, and right on. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it, it, so you know, looking at these lawyers and these guys with with money and cars talking about stocks and investing i was like why can't that that conversation be for like like my family you know and so kind of that's what kind of got me interested in it and then um you know i I looked at the career i was in being hitting the kind of the executive chef role and position that's the highest that you can kind of go short of owning your own restaurant right it kind of um made me look look and say maybe there's something more for me and so i um i found this um, I well, went back to college, went back to Mount Royal. And had you been like to be a chef, that was the path you were on. That was, this is what I'm going to do. This is my career. Like, had that been something you'd work to, to get to that point? Obviously you put in some time. Yeah. It, you know, I think I was lucky to find myself into that position in the first place. Okay. Um, before, before I came into the service world, I was kind of languishing, kind of, you know, not not really going forward in life, and then I um, as we do in our youth, as we do, yes, yeah, as we do, sure. as yeah. we've ha- as we've done, <laughs> yeah. And I was fortunate to get a job on the line, and um, there was a, a lady there, uh, there Michelle. She was the sous chef at the time, and I don't know what it was. I was just some punk, and uh, she saw something in me and started to give me more responsibility at a time oh, when I didn't really have any, you know, I was responsible for myself, just living day by day. Right. And, um, she gave me more responsibility. How, how old were you this time? You said about 13, 14 years ago? 
Oh, um, that was been way, so, oh, that, no, so that's way back when you yeah. made the transition into that would have been services. probably around yeah like twenty twenty two twenty yes yeah. those those nice young years where you're bouncing around yeah right? oh for sure you yeah. know and and all I was, the potential and sometimes none of the direction oh man you know and I was headed down a road I know it you know and okay. I was comfortable heading down a certain road and so uh, it was really cool that um, she saw something in me at that time you know that I didn't see in me and so mm-hmm. she kind of bestowed upon me more responsibility. And, you know, the next thing I know, I was the night manager and I was responsible for kind of bossing around the other people on the, in the kitchen and on the line and all that sort of thing. First little taste better. of leadership or management or whatever you want to call it at that totally, time. Totally, you know. But you've got a bigger response. Like you said, I like that. At first, I was one day I'm responsible for myself. Others, other, next day I'm responsible for people around me. It's yeah. a very different mindset. I mean, you're 22 years old. Ooh, and I, I ate it up, you know. <laughs> so I could tell I was hungry for that. Like I, I was never, I was always, I, I liked being a leader growing up. You know, I did the Boy Scouts thing and, you know, various sports teams. I like to be in that role, you know? And so just when I went through that phase in my life where I was just going the other way, wasn't natural. So to be okay. invited to do it again, I, I, it, well, it's why I'm here today. You know, it yeah. was that moment when I got that responsibility. I love that kind of TSN turning point or like left went left, right. And so many times there's somebody external. I like what you said that she saw your potential that you didn't necessarily see. Yeah, totally. You know, what so, restaurant was it? Is that? Uh, uh, it was uh, one of uh, Victor Choi's places. Okay. It was called Pongo. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was curious. I've had many a guest on here that's been through the Earl's chain of restaurants oh, and worked interesting. there when they were younger. So I was just curious if there was any kind of tie in there because it's come up multiple times with past guests. Yeah. No, my, my work career in the service industry was uh, with Concord Group. Okay. So a lot of those places. Yep. Yeah. So 22, 23, you're getting some responsibility. You're having a taste of it, but you're 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 in the ki- you're working in the kitchen environment, which anyone who's worked in the restaurant environment can be a tough, sometimes brutal place to work. Oh yeah, yeah. But at the same time, awesome, right? Besides, you get to eat for free, which is awesome. <laughs> at that time, you don't have any money. Yes. But, um, just the the perks of working in a restaurant. Absolutely. Ooh, totally. You yeah. know, but you get to, in, in terms of the fast-paced environment where it's just go, 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 and then you know. Eight hours later, you look up and your sh- and your shift's done and you're closing. It's like, what the heck just happened? You know. So you, you kind of learn to to get into this groove of a well well oiled machine, you know. And um, yeah, so you know, it gives you a good work ethic, you know. For anyone who's never worked in a busy, busy restaurant environment, when you're in the juice and when you're you know front staff, front of house and back of house, and you're kind of working together and the pace that it's going on for sometimes one, two, like multiple hours on end, like yeah. it's a little high on. It's kind of insane. Oh yeah. But it's like you're in it. It's fine. I I put myself through flight flight school working behind a bar. Oh, yeah. In a high end restaurant pub environment, so with a busy kitchen, multiple servers, and so you'd serve some, but then I bartended on the weekend, and I would never do it again. But it was the best experience <laughs> I ever had. Yeah. 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 I learned so much from it. It was an amazing experience. Mm. Yeah. So those things you look back in life fondly. Yes. No need to, no, I don't need do to do repeat again. <laughs> so how long did you stay in that world before you kind of got to that moment where you started to yeah. get a glimpse into uh, these guys and their, and their stock portfolios? Yeah. Interesting. So, you know, I was in that world for like maybe four or five years and even then, then some, because when I uh, went back to do my degree, um, I, I, partially paid for my schooling by bartending still. So I, I never really nice. I hear you on that left of the service industry, okay. you know, so I bartend my way. Well, it can, it's the best time to money to like, if you're in school and you need to finance yourself and you can work at night and end up 20, 30, $40, depending on tips and things like that. Like it is a fantastic environment. And I think everyone quote unquote, everyone should go through it. Cause you learn so much about yourself and people in general. Yeah. Plus I strategically picked, um, Bass brothers next to Mount Royal college. So at the end of the school Conveniently day, located. all the professors would be in there. I'd be like, hey, have a seat. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. What, what can I get for you? Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, interesting. Smart. So going back, how was that decision to go back to school? Because that's a big one for a lot of people when you, you know, we're at a certain point in our life and maybe people around us have already figured out where they're headed and, and you did a, you did a push the reset button. Yeah, it was, um, I went back as a mature student, I call it. I was still, you know, pretty, pretty young, I guess, but um, definitely didn't go. Young's from a relevant high, term, right? Depending on where you're straight at. out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I had some. So you're in your mid. You're in your, you're in your mid to later twenties at this point. A little, that, li- little life experience. That's right. Yeah. You know. So I was definitely one of the older ones in the program, uh, uh, in the courses. Um, but that helped a lot. So I knew coming in, I'm like, I had some real world experience. Um, you know, I, I kind of knew the direction that I, I, I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do coming out into the work world again, um, in terms of. Um, investment management and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, it was, an, I was ready for it. So just okay. as the same as getting, you know, uh, responsibility put on me back in the service industry. Um, it was really cool having that moment where I found out, yeah, you know what, I actually want to do this. Cause I think the hardest thing in life that most kids coming, you know, from high school and coming out into the world for the first time is to figure out what it is that they want to do. Because their parents before them were like, oh, you know what, I knew exactly what I wanted to do, and this is the course that life has laid before me. But I think nowadays, especially nowadays, it's it's harder for people to come out and know exactly what path they're going to take and what career mm-hmm. they're going to do. Cause Just sheer, the sheer like weight of the amount of options that we have. And we are so fortunate to live in a place in, in our world where we have so many options, but that can in itself can be completely over, you know, death by, death by a decision. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what is it in, in our world? Like... Uh, three to five options is ideally what you want to present a customer, whether it's on a website or, you know, cause that's anything more than that. We all say we want as many options as possible, but three to four, we start to mentally break down, become overwhelmed and then check out. But from a career perspective, when you're 19, like what is on the horizon these days, it's overwhelming. Yeah, totally e- exciting. Yeah. And more, probably more daunting. Yeah. I'm curious. Cause you mentioned your mom, single mom raised, raised the family. Yeah. So at this point you're doing these things on your own. Like I'm assuming you have family oh, yeah. support. But financially, this was on you. Oh, it's, yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. student loan program, awesome. Okay, that's my, awesome. Yeah. My first year of school, I had two watches for some reason. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> you're like, student loan, yeah, free money. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> still, still paying for the school. <laughs> to but... be a second, I'm like, two watches, where's he going with this? Yeah. Got it, I got it, I got it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I had a buddy who bought a Harley that way. Anyway, so okay, that, yeah, that ended I, badly. So <laughs> I didn't go that far down. Okay. But, yeah, you know, just ridiculous, you know, you're like, yeah, I don't know. Learning about debt and money, and you know, sometimes the hard way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah, education coming on and on on every front. And yeah. So you were at Mount Royal, or UFC. Mount Royal, Mount Royal, yeah. right? Okay, yeah, obviously with the. And how long? How long did you did you extend the program because you were yeah. working, or did you like how long was that schooling for you? So uh, the program they had there was called the Bachelor of Applied Financial Services program. It was the first okay. year they had launched it, and in that program, the fir- it's a four year uh, applied degree, and. Um, uh, the final year, you're taking things like your Canadian securities course, uh, financial planning courses. So they're really tailoring you up for this world of wealth management, investment okay. management. So, Okay, so, so we it was were, a very like ordained. It wasn't just like, here's some generalization. It was fairly focused in a direction. Focused, yeah. The first two oh, years great. were, that sounds like a great were general. You know, and then after yep. that, the, the last two were kind of like more targeted towards okay, so the industry. It a, so it was a full, could you have done it faster than four years or that was the timeline? Um, I, I, I think four was what you needed, you know? Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. In my last year though, I did, um, cause I did all the final courses in the third year and then I didn't, um, I traveled overseas to the university of Hong Kong to do my fourth year. Yes. I yeah. forgot about you. And I kind of, I think that's where I started to know of you or when I first met you, it wasn't long after, after that experience. And oh, I was yeah. looking through your, creeping through your LinkedIn yesterday nice. and I saw that. I was like, Oh, right on that Hong Kong. How was yeah. that? How long were you over there for? Yeah. So I was there for 
six, seven months. Yeah. And how was that? Is yeah. it awesome as an experience as I'm supposing oh, yeah. in my mind it would be? Yeah, to this day. Like, I, st- I mentor students back at Mount Royal University still through the Harry Schaefer Mentorship Program. And every year I get a batch, one or two new students that I get to mold their minds, you know, and <laughs> influence them towards my cause. I'm kidding. Anyways, but uh, I, the one thing I always heavily <laughs> lean on is um, the international experience. Because, you know, you're coming out of school with your degree and you're applying into a job market uh, as, with hundreds of other people with the same thing, same yes. experience. How do you differentiate? So how do you differentiate yourself, you know? And for me, it was, you know, uh, that international experience. So w- when I came back... And also just an, an, another perspective of how to look at the world. <laughs> yeah, well, it, and it gives, yeah, completely, you know, it gives you that global mindset when maybe you didn't have it because you're just coming out of high school and then into university, living out of your parents' house. Maybe you're mm-hmm. living on campus now or on your own, you know, the, the international experience and, and connecting and networking with other students from around the world. Um, I've heard that, that from a lot of the people that the networks and, you know, I have friends that are like, Oh, I'm going to a wedding in Africa and I'm going to one in France because it's all people they went to school with in their international programs yeah. that they've stayed in contact with. Like, and again, in life you realize very quickly as you get older, it's all about the network and who, and who you know and how you know them. Oh yeah, totally. And it, and it comes back always when you yes. least expect it, you know, <laughs> but, um, so Hong Kong for six or six or seven months yeah. in a learning environment with students from all over the world. Correct. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, we, we definitely mashed our course load. So we got that done Monday through Wednesday and we had four day weekends. So every, every weekend we'd be heading into mainland China or flying to Vietnam or, or Philippines or something like that. Cause once you're based over there, it's just a few, Every, everything a few sh- bucks to yeah. go here and there. Everything's quick. Know? So there to, to your point, the exponential, like learning curve of being to be experienced multiple cultures. Totally, yeah, and, and and the actual type of courses you get to take in other countries, they're they're not going to be the same as here, right? And so uh, you get to learn about a lot of the basics could be there. So like a basic, um, you know, economics course, for for example, um, but you're taking it with a Chinese lens or a Southeast Asian perspective. Yes. And at that time, China was just opening up to the world, right? Mainland China, so mm-hmm. all business and was conducted through the Hang Seng, through the Hong Kong um, uh, currency and, and the Hong Kong index and market. And so um, China was very closed off, but they were just opening up around that time. And so that so, was like 0506? 0506, yeah. Okay. So super interesting time to be in that part of the world. Um, but you're, you also, for me, I got a bit of a, a look at, okay, this is how th- that part of the world views like Western and every other part of the world. You yes, know? you get to see their perspective of "quote unquote" us. Yeah, and that was and that was really cool to see. But you know, for me, it, it was a, a great time, great party. Missed missed a lot of those people that that you know I got to spend that, that you're time in your with. Late twenties, it's mid to late twenties at this point. That's right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that's a nice format. Old enough to be old, but young enough to be still be young. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, it was <laughs> good. Whatever age you're at is the sweet spot for whatever you're doing, and then you move on to the next phase. Yeah, yeah. But the best part was when I came back. Well, I also, I didn't like being back. So, you know, when you're away, you have the travel bug and you miss uh, all course. that life, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but the best part was... Good old reverse culture shock when you come back to North America. That's a real thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you feel it. For me, I think it was like six months I felt that. Poor poor Arwen. Anyway, she, <laughs> she did her best to bring me up and brighten my world back here. You know, she she did amazing. Um, but coming back in, I don't know if you remember, 05, 06, Calgary, market, booming. Yes, I do. Jobs were not available. You know, we had like very low unemployment. It was just running on all cylinders. So, you know, I, I think I came, yeah, so I came back to Calgary and I immediately set up an interview with HSBC Bank. Okay. And um, and that was just for like a retail 
uh, bank position. So doing people's, you know, loans, mortgages, yep. opening accounts, yeah, doing kind of one step behind the front line, essentially. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, and that interview, I remember showing up to the, the building and there was chairs outside and there was probably like, I don't know, eight or nine people just sitting there with their resumes in their hands. Oh, so you this know? is literally right out of a sitcom kind of TV. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so, I can picture it. And I'm going like, oh, all right, you know, and then, you know, people are going in. Finally, it's my turn. I get to go into double doors, doors shut. And there's a little kind of raised stage in front of me and there's three people sitting on it. One is like their, their VPHR here for Calgary or whatever and then two other interview people, right? Yep. And, and you could tell they've been there all morning. They got another 10 people to interview behind me for these like three roles or something, you know? I'm like, my God. I should have prepared a little bit for this. <laughs> <laughs> so did you have to, so what was the, was it, did you put on, so did you break out and do a big, like just do something to make their day exciting? Like what happened? <laughs> yeah. It, interesting. So they, they immediately <laughs> stepped into their behavioral interview um, questions, yes. right? You know, like give me an example of a time that you had a hardship. And I just said, well, I just got back from studying overseas in Hong Kong and, you know, and I, I just kind of go into this like, tirade of my experiences of travel and, and that sort of thing. And I noticed at that point, well, looking back after the interview, that's when the interview ended because all three of them, one of them, the middle one was like, just starts talking about, Oh, how she was going to be going to Hong Kong later that year and how the immediate other two, connection. Yeah. yeah. And it was the Hong Kong Shanghai, the HSBC bank. Yes. So that wasn't too difficult. Either, yeah, yeah, you, know? you, you so, were in a safe. That was, yes. I figured you'd be in a good environment for that. Yeah. So we ended up chatting like, and went way longer than we should have, you know, and I just, and it was just discussing about, you know, okay, what's Hong Kong? Like, what's the food like, you know? And, you know, and I, I wrapped it in, you know, with a little bit of, okay, you know, I intentionally chose Hong Kong because China was opening up at the time. And, and I put some thought into that, but that mm-hmm. wasn't the main reason why I went in the first place, you know? So, Anyways, I I got the call back the next day, and next thing I know, I'm I'm working at HSBC. So, so and I take that back when I when I, for the kids that I'm mentoring at the university, yep. and I just say that's the story, you know. So don't just pick if you're going to do a, a, an overseas experience through, with your schooling, don't just pick like a tropical place like Hawaii or you know Mexico or something. Because <laughs> that or, appears obvious from the outside of why you picked that, and 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 everybody wants to pick an obscure place, but still ties in with what your degree or designation is and what work you're going to be doing. Try to see if there's some sort of connections, and if you can make one or two connections when you're sitting through the interview process and you just allude to that. Those people are looking at you and saying, "Okay, you can align to what we're doing in our company here." Yes. And now, now you've just made yourself completely different than everyone else who will be interviewing for that same position. You know, it's such good advice at a time in your life when sometimes your decisions are being made kind of moment to moment versus being a little bit more strategic and going, "Yeah, I can still go here for all those reasons and have that great experience, but let's ladder it into a bigger kind of in marketing." It's all about that little bit of a bigger story. It's all the marketing, man. <laughs> that allow people that allow people to connect doesn't yeah. mean you can't have all those other quote unquote selfish experiences along the way. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so it's 0607, you're back in Calgary, things are great. There's no clouds on the horizon, even though it's the, the world, maybe there was at that point. So how was being in that sector coming into 08? Yeah, yeah. When, when the world changed. <laughs> yeah, so I was, uh, so interesting. So I was with HSBC Bank, yeah, from oh, like 2006, 2007. And then um, I, after a few years of doing that, I was like, okay, it's mortgages, it's basic banking. They put me through some amazing training programs. I was back and forth to Vancouver. It was awesome. But that's, I realized, and again, I didn't really know the depth of the industry. I I didn't really know coming into it the difference between like, um, you know, private banking 
regular banking, investment banker, wealth advisor, portfolio manager, investment advisor, you know, like all these different roles and titles within this industry. So from was, the outside, they can all blend together a little bit totally, to, to the yeah, limit, for sure. For, well, especially for me, I didn't have like any family experience to, to relay. So um, I realized after, the, you know, a couple of years on the bank side, retail banking, I was like, well, all my training uh, and, and courses that I've done before have kind of teed me up for wealth. And wealth is more of the um, investment management side of the business. Okay. So it started to emerge as you spent some time in it. And, and it, it, like you said, it all started to narrow into a clear path. Exactly. You know, and especially when that you... took a couple of years of being in it though. I think there's a lot to be said for like going down the path and seeing where it ends up. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of it's not just the experience from the work, but it's about everyone else around you. And so when you start to talk with other people um, at your at your job and, and they're, mm-hmm. and they're talking about the directions that they want to go. And so you start to learn a little bit more about, uh, about that, you know? So for me, um, I was like, I, I knew that I didn't want to be an employee. I wanted to be a self-employed person. I wanted to choose my own destiny. I wanted to make sure there's no glass ceiling with the amount of effort that I put in if I'm working Monday through Sunday, 365, that I get that gain from that blood, sweat, and tears that I put in. And so in this world, there's this fascinating thing called you know investment advisory or wealth advisory where mm-hmm. um, we build our own businesses, our own practices, and we choose our work-life balance and we hire our people. And so it was very independent and um, that's the direction I knew I wanted really to appealed to. And yeah. I think it's interesting from the outside. I think sometimes we look at, because you know, you're at, you're at social wealth management. So it's easy yeah. to forget that you're still running your own business inside that almost yeah. environment that they, they create for you, but you still, you're still rowing your own boat. Yeah, totally. And yeah. I think when it's, I didn't know that or like years ago, I was like, I, all of a sudden I started meeting people and they're like, Oh, this is my own business. I'm like, well, what do you mean? You're like, yeah. you're tied to Scotia. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. You're employed <laughs> by the bank. No, no, no. It's not like that. We actually pay them for us to be here. So maybe just give a little bit of that. Cause again, I, I'm sure there's people out there that are like, really? What do you mean? I don't quite yeah. understand. <laughs> yeah. There, and there's different sections within the bank where you are still a salaried employee. So um, um, like private investment council or people that are trained to sell the services of the actual bank itself. Okay. That right? makes sense that they'd be, they'd be underneath that umbrella. Yeah. So for us under an IROC license, uh, it's, uh, we're very independent and we pay, you know, uh, 50% of you know, half of our of our revenues and, and commissions to the house okay. just to hang our hat there, to hang the okay. shingle What's there. What's IROC right? stand for? Uh, don't put me on the spot for that. I, okay, yeah, well, I'm all... It's the International Reg- Investment Regulatory Organization Canada. Sweet, yeah, good. So, nothing yeah. nothing will, will... If someone's like, you know, acronyms are yeah. always death. I'm I'll, like, get, I'll get the call next week. Yeah, They're yeah, like, yeah. we're going to take that license from you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just trying, to, just trying to give everybody a fair opportunity to understand what's going on. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay, so 50%. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. A re- that's a real number. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, but sure. you know, with with that, you get um, access to all the partners within the organization. You get the halo effect of the brand. So brand awareness. That's the one thing I learned in 2008, 2009. Because when I came out of the bank, HSBC, uh, I, I interviewed two or three um, uh, investment advisors, chairmen's club advisors. They call them. These are guys okay. that make you know big big revenues for their firms. Um, I looked them up online. I called them. I said, hey, you're like, you know, the top dog here. Can I take you for lunch and just kind of ask you some questions? And so over the span of a week, I went for three luncheons. Everybody was pretty receptive? Oh, oh, totally. Yeah. It, guys in my seat, they love talking about themselves. So <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I invited Eric on the podcast, he jumped. No, he actually didn't think he had a good story to tell, actually. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, so at, uh, I, I, just, I, I begged him and pleaded him to come sit in the chair. <laughs> yeah, hardly. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so uh, during these lunches, I just kind of, you know, asked like kind of three questions, you know, like, you know, if you were to do it again from from this day and age where we are to build a business from scratch and get to the point where you are, would you be as successful as you were? Uh, if you were to do it again, would you do it the same way you did or what would you do differently? You know, and those are the kind of questions because I wanted to know how I was going to enter this industry. You have two paths. One one path is to become an associate, hit your wagon with a senior advisor team and yep. learn through them. Uh, or the other path is just to throw right down into a rookie training program um, and they spit you out and you start from zero and start running and you know, and start building your book. And if you're not around in 24 months, you're out, you know, so so yeah, and so I out of the span of those three lunches, I got a, a call back like that next week from one of them, who was like, yeah, "I want to hire you," and and that wasn't my in- intent at yep. all. But what a kind of neat way to get an interview, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Asking questions, be curious, value people's opinions, and that's come up in so many conversations. Don't like, don't be shy to reach out to people and ask for help because people are so helpful. Yeah. Oh, it totally. <laughs> like, it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. You know, the, the, the odds of hearing a no to me in that world are pretty low. Most yeah. people are like, absolutely, I'll spend some time with you. Like, hundred percent. Yeah. And whether you're just a student and you're in your third year and you're trying to figure things out, or you're going down the path, or you're maybe out of work for a bit, reach out to people. Not asking for a job, but just asking yeah. for advice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be 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 voraciously curious and uh, be humble and ever you know? and ever humble. Yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Cool. So you're you're. You got offered a job, but I'm feeling you didn't yeah. take this job, or did you? Yeah, no, I did. So that, oh, okay, I came, right on. I came on as an associate and um, over at uh, CIBC with Gundy, and I, and I signed all the the HR papers to get everything set up. And then um, my boss at the time, the guy the guy I partnered with, he kind of called me on the weekend, and said, "I'm leaving CIBC," and I'm like, "Dude, I just finished the paperwork. Like, I haven't even like." looked at sat at my desk yet you know and, he, and and he's like yeah I'm, uh, there's a an independent firm a GMP at the time now it's Richardson GMP but okay. uh, it was an independent wealth firm here in town I, I actually knew of it because I actually talked to one of the guys with okay. one of those lunches and he's like yeah, I got offered a partnership position over there I want you to come with me and I'm like well I didn't sign up for CIBC I'm not employed by the bank I'm working with you so of course I'm coming with you so uh, immediately you know, next day, bang, we're over at, uh, the, the, pl- the, plot, the plot, think of, the plot thickens. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was my foray into the, the industry. Um, you know, going through that experience of moving a book of clients over from the bank owned firm into the, into the independent firm, okay. selling that, being able to communicate because uh, everybody knows what a CIBC is or a Scotia back to you know? brand recognition, like you said, but I'm, you know, I'd be calling these people saying, yeah, I'm calling from Griffiths McBurney here in Calgary, GMP. And who they're the like, are, who the hell are you? Who, you know, click, you know, so I had to learn quickly to sell the independent model. Right. Cause you didn't have that, that brand overlay, you know? Yeah. So, so that was kind of a neat environment. So do uh, those environments work similar in terms of percentage back to the house, just maybe different because the, yeah. value of the brand isn't as big. Is it just a different they're, model? They're, they're similar, but you know, you, you might get, paid, you know, different compensation. You know, if you're working with an independent firm, you might get um, shares of the company, okay. you know, so, and you could still do that work. Yeah, there, the there's different company. upside and different, it's, it's different. Yeah, totally, you know, okay. so, yeah, I like the independent More entrepreneurial, model. more, more, yeah. okay. Yeah, I think so, you know, but I actually I found out later that it, it doesn't matter if you're at a bank owned or an independent, you know, you are you, you're running your own business. So okay. you can be entrepreneurial anywhere, right? Ah, fair so, enough. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice, yeah. nice segue back and which appeals directly to kind of what your value prop of what you wanted. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so that was a couple of years at GMP and that was, yeah, 2008, everything was hunky dory. Oil was ripping at $140 a barrel. Calgary is booming, hitting on all cylinders. 
and then uh, Lehman collapsed that fall, and then yes. Bear Stearns, and then we're heading into the big great financial crisis. So I kind of cut my teeth coming from a, the absolute market high, uh, experiencing a you know forty percent in, in, in less than like a 10, 12 month period. Of time. Yeah, it was fantastic. Wow. I was like, "Woo, this is like cowboy stuff," you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ride the roller coaster up, ride the roller coaster down. Oh man, and and especially when you're transitioning your clients over to an, like a, a firm that they don't have a awareness of. Absolutely. Right? So now they there's a flight to safety. I know the bank. The bank will be there always, you know. I don't know you guys. I don't know this. What's going to happen? I saw my portfolio go down or, you know, and so it was, it was a very interesting time. Everybody to, saw their portfolio go down. Yeah. But to to learn the business and to market in, in a world where it went from just kind of like, you know, upside marketing to triage and saying, okay, you know, this is, you know, how we're protecting you on the downside. This Here's all the safety nets that we have in place. And so... It's interesting. I'm assuming like your communication cycles would have had to be shorter. You're probably talking to people that you talk to maybe every six months or quarterly. You're probably talking to them weekly now. Oh yeah, just absolutely changed everything. Yeah, it's communication is key during those those periods. And the best thing yeah. to do when you look back at it, of course, like every other major market downturn, is to still hold on, and yeah. and have these automatic rebalancing, you know, systems in place that removes emotion from it completely. Because you're not going to be able to make those decisions yourself. It's I tough because we're humans. We're humans. I saw grown men hiding under their desks in 2009. You know, and these are people that were like, you know what? I have a long short strategy and a, a very advanced ability to do what do opposite to what the market's doing. And you know, when rubber hits the road, you're, you that's truth. The world you're in is the environment you're in, and you're not going to act differently than the herd. So mm. you know, that's I learned that behavior is everything, and that's kind of how I've led my whole practice to this very day. What a fantastic, like in hindsight or even at the moment, what a fantastic experience to have gone through to set you up at a very early part of your career. Yeah. You need scars. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Completely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, If you make it, if you go snowboard and you make it down the hill without falling once in a while, are you really trying that hard? (laughs) Did you ever have any moments? Did you ever say like, what the F am I doing in this industry? Like maybe I should go, maybe I should go back to cooking on the line. You know what? That uh, might be that's an, that might be a polarizing extreme at, question. At, at that experience, so when I was still at, at Richardson um, doing that work, no, I I kind of loved it, you know, because I was that's like, awesome. oh, because if if you're getting out in, in front of people, and I love actually connecting with that one to one and 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 asking those questions and find out what really is behind people, uh, people from an emotional standpoint. Um, they tell you a lot of things and a lot of it doesn't have to deal with the markets. You know, it's more that personal deep dive you can get into. That's such a privileged, unique thing that people really just can open themselves up to someone, you know, especially like me who could be a complete stranger at one moment and you just kind of ask a few questions. Being involved in that side of people's lives, it's very intimate. Yeah. Because the pile of money, what does it mean? It means freedom. It means for my family. It means so many things that aren't really money. It's not about money at all. Exactly. (laughs) It's not about the pile. It's about what the pile means to you, what you're going to do with it, how it makes you feel, (laughs) good, bad, or indifferent. Yeah. But they've been, you know, most people have been trained otherwise. It's all like greater return. I got a brother-in-law who got me this much and, you know, what are you doing for me lately? And it's like, well, no, let's actually get back to Let's move the brother-in-law out of the picture and then focus on why you're doing this in the first place. And then once we have those locked down in terms of what your goals are, then we can assign the right path for you and keep you on it. And 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 that won't that's not guaranteed to keep you on it because we're humans, you know. Of course. The next year we'll be looking at something else shiny, going like, "Oh, I want that now." And say, like, "That's great that we want that. I want that too." But we got to bring you back because you said you need to hit this goal at this stage at this time, and uh, we're 100% right on 
on track. Oh, it's back to the old adage, just strategy versus tactics. Like, yeah. the, what's the longer term versus the like? Oh, it's shiny today, and we really get lost in the like. Oh, I hey, I heard I I know I got a tip, or yeah. I heard about this new thing, or I know this guy that was able to avoid paying tax. You hear all yeah. that that stuff. I'm going to say quote unquote garbage all the time. Yeah. Short termism. It's it's it's, it's a, a real at thing. an all time high. Yes. You know, thanks to our devices and how we get information on our phones. And well, how I want we, my I want my dopamine. Eric, yeah, where are you going to give me my dopamine hit? Immediate. Facebook gives it to me. Instagram gives it to me right away. What are you going to do? Oh, yeah. this is a longer term planning. I don't want. I want magic pills and yeah. I want quick results. Yeah. That's a tough thing because you're right. Our world's conspiring completely to be the opposite of that. Totally. Yeah. So I think neurologically. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're yeah exactly. So if we're you being can rewired to be even more <laughs> short term than we were before. Yeah. That's why it's good for people to you know, take some time and walk out into the woods once in a while and you know unplug from everything and go. Oh yeah, I, I, can, I can actually sit still. It's funny. I you read know. something the other day. And this is completely random. Uh, that the reason we find nature relaxing is not because there's less stimulus. It's because there's so much stimulus. It actually allows our brain to connect because it's still so natural. And it's, that was so much part of who we were for so long genetically. Mm-hmm. That we go into that environment. You think about the sights, the sounds, the smells, the, everything that's going on. But it, it aligns. So it's actually the level of stimulus that actually causes it to be calming. And I was like, hmm. Yeah. It just made me go... Hmm, that's a very interesting. Like, I go there because there's nothing going on. There's everything going yeah, on there, yeah. actually. Yeah. Life is going on versus, not, versus staring at your device. You're not uh, talking about glamping, then, are you? No, well, no, <laughs> even though uh, that I had a, one of our team went, uh, had a yurt for the weekend. And oh, it was nice. raining and cold on the weekend at some points. She, she said the fireplace and the raised floor and the, and the duvet covers was quite nice. <laughs> I was like, hmm, this sounds very appealing to me all of a sudden. <laughs> but you can still walk outside, and nature's right outside the door. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, sounds like a fantastic experience moving through that period of time. And what I'm also hearing coming through is the psychology of dealing with people. You know, we talked about banking and finance and world markets and emerging economies, yeah. but now we're talking about your relationship with humans. Yeah. Cause this is where your job is, like your role has evolved. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, uh, yeah. You hit the, you hit the nail on the head for sure. You know, it's not, it's not about picking the best stocks, right? You know, we, we have people that do that. Their whole world is consumed with, capital markets and building portfolios and managing risk, um, they would never be picking up a phone to talk to a mom and dad about what's going on in their lives or how their grandkids are doing or what their goals are and and doing deep dives into that. You know, how are you going to age in place? How are we going to move mom into assisted living? Like that's the reality of the role that we're in, you know, because that's real life. Yeah, for sure. You know, if I wanted to go down and become a specialist in the markets, then I would have, you know, that, that's that's a PM role, but that's not, uh, in my view, that's not the role of the wealth advisor today, as we know it. Our, our goal is to be that quarterback for people, bring the professionals in at, when the times are right, and then just keep keep people on track. True, know? true advisor. It's in the it's in the title. Yeah. Has that evolved? Are people becoming more open to that? As, yeah. as okay. Oh, for sure. You know, it's because uh, you know if you want rate of return, especially if you look back over the last ten years, people are all going for low cost beta, which is you know, give me the markets, you know, through an ETF wrapper, I don't want to pay anything for investment management, you know, and that's, and the world has quickly run down to to zero, you know, Vanguard changed the world, the chase, the chase of the race to the bottom. Yeah. And so a lot of guys in my role who were coming in, plugging into the market at seven 30 in the morning, calling clients to buy Scotiabank stock and sell RBC, you know, like that role, like that's, that's gone the way of the dodo bird, you know, like if you're still doing that role instead of calling your clients and talking to people and going out there and uncovering new opportunities and like that, then you're, you're, you're in the wrong role. Right. So, Interesting. Yeah. So it's evolved. And especially nowadays when you see the wealth, simple commercials and all yes. these different shops pop up on the back of low cost ETFs saying like, 
you know, all your your investment advisors stealing from you and you know hidden fees. Well, I think Quest Trade sort of has a campaign running right, right now. Oh, it's beautiful. About, yes, it's incredibly well done. I know the agency that's behind that. Yeah, but it, it brings that. It, it just puts an even bigger spotlight on yeah. you guys are taking my money. You, oh, you guys, I, as I'm pointing to you, you bring guys. it on. Yeah. yeah, I love it. You know, so when I sit down <laughs> with people, I'm like, I'm like, you know what? We have being IROC licensed. We uh, we the world is our oyster. We we can access any investment under the sun you could possibly think of, right? So it's not firm ba- based product. It's everything. Yeah, everything you could possibly. We're get not a just rate selling from this ten options over here. No, nope. we've got it all. Full customized, full access, right? And so it's really about what again bringing it back to what's going to get you to achieve your goals, right? So if 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 you come to me and say fundamentally, I want, you know, the broad market exposure, and I don't want to pay a dime for it. We can do that. I'll right. build you a portfolio of, of low-cost, no-cost ETFs, and, and away we go, right? That's just one aspect of the full service that we offer. The right. investment pillar is just one pillar outside of all these other pieces that we bring together, right? Building the portfolio has to be driving towards that common goal. Our job is to help you realize that, look at that goal, and then keep bringing you back you know, on a quarterly or annual basis saying, you know what, you are on track to hitting this goal at this said time, as you stated. Then every year we come and update that if there's a material change in your life, right? Which there always will be. Of course. because right? Life does not move in a straight line. No, it doesn't. No, it does <laughs> not. No matter how concrete our plans were last year about, about that straight line. Mm-hmm. So I love it. Like bring on the low cost conversation, no cost. I want, I want to go to... The, the one interesting thing is though is people are now leaving advisors, you know, especially a different um, generation of folks are, le- are leaving their wealth advisors to, to do it themselves, the DIY investor platform. Okay. Yep. And because and, they, they and don't want to pay for is, the advice. And this is a younger or is this an older? It seems to be like millennial thing and then, yeah, okay. then younger, you know. Okay. Um, I, I kind of assumed that, but I wanted to get yeah, some clarity They're for more sure. comfortable with, with uh, adaptive technologies. So, th- so is thing. there an implication where I'm more comfortable with technology so I can figure this out versus mm. does not necessarily mean you're qualified to manage. I'm not, well, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, yeah. but being comfortable with technology doesn't make you good at financial management. Right. Just because I'm comfortable with tech. <laughs> Yeah, and again, tech is tech. You could have many different layers and permutations over top of it, but at the, at the end of the day, you're dealing with you and your behaviors, and your behaviors are, are what, back to back to the risk of being human. <laughs> it'll make it break you, right? Fight, fight or flight. That's it. That's the core of who we are. Uh, money uh, exasperates that in a major way, and mm-hmm. and we've seen it. So there's just a study done last week that came out, and they're just tracking the fund flows of DIY investors, do-it-yourself investors, yep. so they can go onto like the iTrade platforms and so on and see the net flows into and out of equities and fixed income and cash. And as a result of this now, people taking more of that responsibility onto themselves, um, we're seeing ex- exasperated behavior at the tops and bottoms, right? So of now course. the largest... Because of emotional response. Selling at the very tops, right? Or sorry, uh, selling, uh, buying at the very tops is what we're yep. seeing now. Uh, so selling, a little, bit of, selling a little bit of FOMO. I don't want to miss out because it's done so well. Exactly. And selling at the, at the very bottoms, right? That's classic investor behavior, right? And so now that we're seeing uh, all these other do-it-yourself and low-cost options out there, even with ETFs, which is a great, uh, a great solution for people because can, you can buy one ticket and now you've had this great balanced portfolio. Yep. If, they, if they just didn't touch it after that and kept adding to it, actually, it, they, would, they would do incredibly well. But behavior kicks in. Because now that that fund they bought could go down the next day. Well, and and you, just because yeah. you have like, we all shouldn't have access to the button. 
No. You know what I mean? Like, that- oh, I might have a bad day and just push the button. But yep. maybe you should just, you know what, sober second thought on the button. Yeah. That's why, you know, the nuclear, uh, there's two keys that you can't reach both at the same time. <laughs> yeah. We need to have, a, like, we need to look at this decision because it could be life-altering. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, I have had one or two younger kind of clients um, move away from us and into the do-it-yourself platform. Okay. Um, but I get calls from them often, you know. They're like, Eric, you know, I've been doing this and, you know, what do you think of that? So they don't want to pay for the advice, but they want and need the advice more than ever, you know? Sometimes so we do need to go touch the stove on our own, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, you're gonna, you might get burned. Uh, yeah. God knows we've all been burned time and time again when we had somebody older and wiser tell us not to. I certainly have. I won't speak for you. I won't yeah, speak for you. We all have, man. We're not immune. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, because we're all on the journey. So in terms of your, your, your clients or your client base, are they typically, is there an age range? Are they a little bit older? Kind of in that second or third act of life, if you will? Yeah, so I was looking at the... Um, the the metrics on the book um, on my business last week and average age of our clients is around 55. Okay. 57, I think is the average, you know, so it gives us a pretty good weighting, you know, two thirds of the book kind of. Yeah. If 55 is your average, you're going to have, okay. So you've got a real good balance up and down the chain. Pretty good. Yeah. Definitely not a younger book, but you know, the way I look at the industry is saying, okay, the bulk of the people, you know, the the, the largest population we see moving through North America is that baby boomer population. Now it happened in in mid 2016 when you see that kind of 55 plus population enter that, 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 that demographic high. And um, where we are today is we're seeing, okay, this baby boomer demographic, essentially they control uh, like what is it? Eighty-five percent of the wealth. I've heard some of those numbers in North America. Eighty-five plus percent of the wealth plus. in North America. So I see these campaigns, and I see these guys in my office, and other people I know who are like they're advertising towards the young millennials and all these. How do we get these younger people and appeal to the kids of our clients? And right. Because this big intergenerational wealth transfer is going to happen. I, I've been in those some of those conversations. Oh. Like, here's what's going to happen. And here's the here's the research behind it, and then that they change and they adjust their business to market to that group. They don't have any money. Right. God, you know, like they have <laughs> families. You need two people working nowadays to support mortgage and cost yeah. of living, so just to support life. They don't have the money, and guess what? That intergenerational wealth transfer. Look at the average life expectancy for someone who's in their 50, 65 now. Well, it's another 30 years. Yeah, well, yeah, 20, yeah. Yeah, 20, 20 on average to I was being opt- I was being optimistic for yeah. everyone. You're probably bang on, though, yeah. right? It keeps, we keep living longer and longer. That's the reality. So when I look at the target market and who we've been doing a lot of work for, it's, it's saying, okay, how do we take someone going from you know, 65 to 85 or 60 right. to 85? What's that next 20 years, 25 years look like for them? What do they consume? What do they need? And so we build our service offering and our approach uh, in our practice to address those needs of these people, right? And so that old adage of like, oh, don't worry, when you're older, you'll spend less and all these things. Like my dad's in his like 73, 74, and he's out and he's traveling and he's buying tractors and going to car shows. And like he's living his life probably more than he's ever before. Yeah. And is he slowing down and spending less? Cause he's in his, he never was a big spender anyways, but it's not less. It's still just consistent. And he's in his mid seventies yeah, and there's awesome. no slowing down. Like there's no, like the next five years is going to be full on and buying stuff and toys and quads for the grandkids. And yeah, yeah he's, he's living it for yeah. sure. And that's, and he's, you know, in that age graph, well, you should be slowing down. It's not what's happening at no, all. <laughs> not at all. No. And that's what we see. Like, and the, if I'm, if I can outdo him, I will, I'll push it to 85. <laughs> <clears throat> that's the thing, you know, like the, this idea of retirement that was sold to people, that freedom 55, like what you said, so that was a great tagline. Yeah. Well, it was, right? This idea of like, you know, okay, coming out of your career of 35 years, now you get the watch, 
Now you get to travel and play golf and then die. And people who we've seen this time and time again, who actually bought into that, they leave their forced out of their careers. That that thing that they've had. I like what you say forced out. Yes. That thing that they've had purpose, their routine, their community, their network, everything tied to that for their whole life. Now they're forced out. And now they're sitting there in the world going, wow, this is not what I expected. Uh, they've lost. This is pr- not what I bought into. Sense of identity is gone. Yeah. It's well, tough. they travel. They'll, they'll do it for like a year or so or try golf for a while. And then some people are, can do it like forever. But yep. most that I talk to, they're like, it was, it, it was like the stomach fell out, you know, like I have no purpose now. And I did not plan for this. I should have talked about this while I was in my senior years of my career, starting to actually visualize what that next stage is going to be, what that third act is going to be, right? Shouldn't even, we don't even call it retirement anymore. We call it, you know, you want to achieve your financial That's a word that could go away for me at any time. Yeah, I'm yeah. fine with that. Or rewirement, you know? <laughs> like, you, you are now looking at yourself. You're at the end of your career. You have all of this incredible experience, skills, talent. Now you have time. You have treasure. You are like fully loaded and ready to rock and roll and you're going to tap out. I don't think so. So the people we're working with is it's about helping to develop that vision, that purpose. We have clients that are going back to do PhDs. We have people that are, you know, and that's that stage. So they're trying to get out of what they were sold before and and keep that continued purpose, which is why Rotary is so important. We're going to work that in. Absolutely. Um, In one of my other episodes, I met with uh, Ray DePaul from Mount Royal University and Mm -hmm. he he's part of their entrepreneurship program. He told me, he made the comment that he goes, when we prep students at 20 years old, that you're going to work like for the most of your life, you're going to be doing something and you'll probably full scale change your career six to seven times. I believe that. And, uh, and yeah. it, it lines into exactly what you're saying. Like, I'm 55, so this thing I've done to 55, I'm not going to do that anymore, but I'm going to go do another thing. Yeah. And it could be completely different. Or, you know, to your point about being the mature student, you went back with purpose and knowing what you want to do. I probably have more sense of that now at 46 than I did when I was 36 or 26. Mm-hmm. So where to, where to point the ship in a new direction? Like, it's pretty exciting versus I'm just going to point it on the porch and yeah. sit in the rocking chair and wait for death to come? No, 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 no. hundred <laughs> percent happen. You know, and, and, and what's the best way to tell that, you know, to relay that information to a group of people to deprogram what they were told and sold before into something new? And it's through story, right? Deep, the, deep, the deep, narrative. Deprogram. Yeah, completely. And so right. what you're seeing yeah. now in Hollywood, you're seeing all these movies come out, right? Like the life of Walter Mitty and and Bucket List, and yep. you're going to see more and more and more and more of that because they want to the, communicate that message of do more, look for more. You know, you don't, you, you're not confined to the box that you've just put yourself in. You know, so I love that stuff. So outside the work we do, outside investment management, financial planning, estate planning, uh, in the insurance, family protection programs, that sort of thing, we work with people who are life coaches, career coaches, that kind of taking that next step. The quote-unquote um, soft side of what makes this all, like, puts purpose back into this this old narrative to the new narrative. Yeah, totally, you know. So if you're not working on it, uh, you got to be, you know. Yeah. And, so, and, and there's <laughs> you lots got, of... You got to be working on yeah, it. Yeah, and, and there's tools out there for for you, you know. you know. And, and I don't think you need to wait. A lot of people are, like, in their 50s, and they're like, oh, I don't need to talk about that until I'm, like, 60 or 70. And it's like, no, you got to be doing the work now, you know. Look around you. Who's your network? Who do you hang out it with? It should be an exciting thing to talk about. Oh, yeah. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to keep putting it off till it shows up. Well, you know, that, the difference between strategy and tactics of, you know, thinking about what you want the outcome to be and then laying around tactics that'll get you there. Yeah. So now, to me, I'm always like, as my friend, my good friend, someone you know, Danger, always says, Tyler, what, what do we have to look forward to? We got any trips coming up? What, yeah. what do we, what? Days has said, what are we looking forward to? I'm like, that is such a nice way to put it. Yeah. Well, let's plan something. Let's have an adventure on the horizon. And whether that's, you know, next yeah. year or 10 years from now. Those people are golden. Yes. Keep I, them I, yeah, 100%. <laughs> so something in, I know you just worked it in, and I want to touch on it. Something I've always been very impressed 
us with uh, yourself is how much you've been involved in your in your community. Mm-hmm. So I know Rotary is a big. You've been in Rotary like ten plus years. I yep. think, based, yeah. Based on again my my LinkedIn my LinkedIn creep. Yeah. Stalking. And, and so, yeah, absolutely. Perfect. We're all stalking. It's not even stalking anymore. It's just casually looking over. Um, so it's socially acceptable to creep on you for an hour before we talk. Yeah. And then also something you're involved with, uh, which is really exciting. I know we've it's just you and I've talked about it recently. Is the Spin for Life. Mm-hmm. So two things I really want to touch on, but maybe you want to touch about because Rotary has been a big part of your life. I know for sure. Yeah, yeah. Rotary. You know, I, I joined Rotary when I was thirty. 10 Do years only ago. older people join Rotary? Uh, I'm going to put out a silly stereotype that I had in my yeah. head before I met you. <laughs> um, maybe at one point it seems like that, but I someone's think probably going to slap me for even saying that a lot. But we're here to dispel, well, dispel. Well, the you know, I've, I've I've been the um, I've been the uh, programs chair. Uh, or sorry, membership chair for the last couple of years of the club. Oh, so right I've had the opportunity to go out and talk to people one-on-one about, about Rotary and what a service club is and the benefits that I've received from it. And so I think the last nine people to join our club have all been under the age of 40. Okay, <laughs> so nice. All right. Even though I'm like, again, these guys don't have any money or time, you know, but <laughs> anyway, but they're, they're all there and they're, they're all, you know, you, all, you always in. have to build whether who's they're going to be the next generation of contributor though, for sure. For sure. You yeah. know, and so service industry as a whole, especially Rotary, their biggest concern is the aging membership. And a lot of people are not joining service organizations or groups like they used to because you know okay. now now social media gives you that kind of platform of community that you don't need yes to actually show up for a, oh it's not a the ritual same. It's not the same it's not the same <laughs> it's not the same yeah, yeah. The and same. i tell people that you know i go you need physical contact you need to be talking with people making eye contact with people i would you know. argue making real quote-unquote making connections yeah yeah 100 not know. not superficial you know oh you know and every once in a while there's that social media moment where you feel like you know someone better than you do but once you spend a half day or you go on a, a retreat with someone or you go on some type of an initiative you do know them really well by the end of that day oh, yeah. versus the false social media connection anyways so it's not it's not yeah. a commentary about social media but i hear you right yeah and and social media is very important, right? One hundred percent. That's the media. One of the, one of the mediums for. But it's not either or. I want both. I want yeah. I want to, I want to see what's just going on in social, but I want to make real connections yeah. with people that have shared values to me in my community, and that's it, important. Yeah, totally. So I found Rotary because um, I was, you know, in my career of building my world, right, building my business, and so very selfishly, you know, you're talking to you know, VPs and trying to get in front of the big money and convince them that, you know, they could trust you. And totally. And there's this one fella, um, Walter Hazel, who was awesome, uh, is awesome. He, uh, I, I, I think I like, I don't know, uh, called him for like a year solid, you know, what, talk about your investments and blah, blah, blah. And, and finally he goes, you know what, Eric, you're not taking me for a coffee. I'm taking you for lunch. And I'm like, great. When, where, where are we meeting? He's like, meet me at the Palliser next Tuesday you know, downtown. And I was like, Ooh, that's fancy. Okay. You know, <laughs> and I come walking in there and, you know, I see him standing there and he's an older gentleman. He waves me over and, and there's a, you know, Canada flag behind him. And, and I'm like, what is going on? He's like, this is my rotary meeting. Every Tuesday we meet here. And I'm like, what the hell? Is oh, that's awesome. That's how he got you into it. Oh, that's a good story. No idea. So I sign in, you know, shake some hands with people, you know, get some pretty good lunch. I, I like them already. I like how we played you right into that. Oh, Nicely man. done. Nicely done. We sit down and we, we're chatting. Next thing you know, like everyone's standing. There's a player piano going off. The head table's being marched in. Uh, we stand up. We sing Oh Canada. You know, it's kind of got a campy feel to it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, this is weird, you know? And then, um, you know, they go through some of their club business. They're talking about uh, some of the projects they have going on, which I kind of half paid attention to. Because I was busy looking around the room going like, oh my God, you know, there's, 
you know, Forzani, and there's Cole, you know, there's like Ken King. And I'm like, this is, these are the movers and shakers at Calgary. This is a pretty good place to be, you know. Um, and then the guest speaker came up, and the guest speaker was the, the COO or CTO of Virgin Galactic. So that was Branson's space travel company. Yep. Uh, as a guest speaker here in Calgary. And so she was up there talking for half an hour on on the company and the direction of space travel and where they are. And and I was wow. like, wow, that that's, I didn't expect that, you know? And next thing you know, I'm, uh, the meeting's called and uh, I'm walking back downtown to my office and I'm just thinking about what the heck just happened. I'm like, what was that, you know? And then Walter calls me the next day. He's like, yeah, you want to join me next Tuesday for, for lunch again? I'm like, yep. <laughs> you know? So that's how you ended up in Rotary. Yeah. Well, and then I actually, I actually, he finally took me up on that coffee, but it was all to talk about actually what Rotary is. You know, it's not about just meeting for a lunch on a Tuesday and, and seeing an amazing speaker, you know, do their thing. It's, it's about the community stuff we do. And I found out that, you know, that, you know, this, our club has uh, been around for 105 years now. Um, it was basically there right when that hotel was built. Um, That's awesome. Oh, man. But then you just kind of go through and you and you see the, you know, we have projects in, I think, 17 countries now. Um, just that really appealed to me, especially with my international experience through Hong Kong and school. Because you, know, you did a project down in Cambodia, right? Cambodia, yeah. That's yeah, right. So. I remember when you were going on that. I oh, like, I, what is he, what's going on? What's he doing? And, uh, and I dragged my poor mom through it. It was awesome. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That, was, that was actually... I, I was curious about family and work. Kind of, you had, uh, how's your family? So it's, yeah. I'm glad you, you worked it back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, um, she, you know, again, nurse in the, oper- in the OR, in the operating room, Rocky View, her whole life. She's supposed to be retired now. She still works a few days a week because that's her purpose, right? What, retire? What is that word? Exactly, right? So <laughs> she's, living her, she's still living her purpose just with some more free time. Yeah, you know, and, you know, she never remarried or dated. Out, like my dad and her were like the soulmate couple. Like that yeah. was it for her, right? And so um, at that stage, you know, she's working towards that, that end of her career, uh, at least, you know, from a forced retirement yes, standpoint. Yes, I understand. Yeah. And she, you know, was afraid to travel, doesn't want to step outside her comfort zone. And I'm like looking at her going like, Mom, like what are you going to do? You know? And so... To this is a woman who's like spent her life in the OR, seen it all. Yeah. Shouldn't be, oh, yeah. shouldn't be scared of anything. You know what I mean? But it's all relevant to what, yeah. to what you're comfortable with. Totally. You know? Yeah. So I, one night I was like, I'm, I, I'm traveling to Cambodia. You know, it's not a vacation. It's about eight days, hit the ground running. We're going into the very, very rural, poor areas of the country to see all the various projects that we have, schools, water, sanitation, you name it, we're there. Uh, we've changed the lives of these people in a massive, profound way. And I would love for you to join me. And she just started laughing at the dinner table going like, no, immediately all the negativity. I can't. I'm old. I can barely walk. All the cats. Pro- all the cats. Problem with my back. I can't fly long. I'm, she's never flown, really. You know, and I'm, I'm like, okay, I hear you, you know. And a week later, we had a fundraiser with the Rotary Club. And at that fundraiser, um, you know, we have like, a, you know, I think it was like 150 people there or something. And I was introducing her to Walter and people who were, who were a lot older than her. You know, ah, and nice. so throughout the evening, um, and at the end of the, the the evening, I asked her, I'm like, oh, what did you think of, you know, so-and-so or this member, this member? She's like, oh, they're lovely. And, uh, you know, uh, one guy was on a, a, a Zimmer frame or a Walker frame. And I'm like, you know, well, he's he's coming to Cambodia, you know, and uh, and his wife, did you like her? Oh, I loved her so much. Yeah, you know, she's she's coming too, you know. So all of these thoughts that she put as a block in her head and yes, her ability to do barriers. this. Mm-hmm. It was funny. I didn't, you know, I kind of planted it. So the next morning, after I, I like it, well played so far. Yeah, she gave me a call. You're pulling I, a Walter just in another way. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So 
I see the phone, I see the, I see her number come up and I, I answer it in that morning. I hear this, Eric, don't you, de- don't you say a thing. Uh, I've thought about it all night and I'm coming with you to Cambodia. And I was like, great. You know, what a su- happy surprise. Wonderful. You know? And, um, because she got to make her decision for herself, you know, uh, it was not an easy trip. You know, I think the jet lag, um, afterwards, it took her probably a good couple of weeks to recover from it. Oh, uh, jet lag uh, coming back from Southeast Asia was real. I, yeah. I, yeah. My first big, like traveling abroad was Southeast Asia and I, oh, jet lag, no big deal. I yeah. got my, I got my proverbial ass headed to me. Oh. It came back, took me two weeks. Yeah. Poor mom. To get my head out of it. Yeah. yeah. Two, two weeks just to even like, she wouldn't even pick up the phone to talk to me. Yeah. I was in my thirties <laughs> at the time too. I thought I was going to be super, superhero resilient. I was yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that when you're 70. Yeah. yeah so, for sure. Kudos. That's awesome. Yeah. In Cambodia, I, I Cambodian people are, are I love Cambodia, mm-hmm. but it's rural. It's rough. Like it, it is. Yeah. Yeah, they've gone through a lot there that yeah, country, as a country. 75 to 79 Khmer Rouge, you know, basically killed one third of the population. Yes. And all the Western, you know, doctors, teachers, schools, anyone that had ties to this idea of Western ideology were just wiped out. All the educated were removed yeah. from the population. And, that, yeah. and then they, when you look at the end of it, you have this, at the time, a, a massive group of kids and elderly. So well, when you go there, there's a there's a there's, there's a huge gap in the like when you walk around, you see young and you see old. There's a there's a very yeah. noticeable gap in certain age groups in yeah. the population. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. So you know, I, I won't go too far down the yeah. road. Of, that's a, of that's another podcast. Projects. Oh yeah. You know. Anyway, so back to the rotary thing. You know, for me, I looked at that project, and then what I loved about that was you know 100 percent of the money that we raise here through the club and community that, that we're applying towards that project gets to the end project. You know, no one's, there's no one getting paid or salaries. We're all volunteers. Yep. Uh, what I love about Rotary, too, is they can't take a project on unless it's sustainable. There has to be an exit. Oh, so they stay out of the one. Okay. So yeah. to we, leave, we, it, leave it better than you found it for the long term. Right. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of great that's organizations. A, that's, a great, that's a good criteria. Oh, it has to be, right? Yeah. We can't keep feeding the elephant, you know. So, so we can't do projects unless there's a sister Rotary club on the ground in that country, right? So that's the checks and balances to tie w- yeah. the direction of the money and, and where we are in the project it makes, phase. Well, it makes a lot of sense. When you say it, you're like, obviously, that's the way it should, yeah. quote unquote, should be. A lot of people don't. It's just one-sided. Just throw money at something and uh, see what happens. And you're it's not, not how you create people. long-term change, yeah. in my point. And I'm going to, do I understand you also are on track, too, for the president of, this, yeah. of your Rotary club, Downtown Rotary, in yes. 20, 2020, 2021? Yeah, next July 1, I take the, take the helm of the Congratulations. Club. And youngest president? <laughs> in that club in that club is I think that also so. I don't know I was trying to go back for the 105 years you know I'm sure do some research I'm pretty sure early on you know okay. there, there was probably people in there well, I love a good story so yeah. that, it's already a great story and congratulations yeah. that's Thanks. something you must yeah. be incredibly proud of yeah it's uh, and also the youngest just that's a little that's a little that's a little star on that story and yeah. oh, by, oh and but BTW, yeah. also the youngest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're doing it for marketing. You yes. know, draw the younger, you know. Of course, I get it, I, and I, I appreciate that. If your outcome is positive, it's not a bad strategy. It's great. Mm-hmm. Totally, yeah. yeah Congratulations, came, that's very cool. Yeah, they came they came knocking, so they, they have a big committee which looks through all the membership to see who could be the, the next president, and then they kind of vote on it, and then they go and approach you. And so I get the call from the current president and uh, another fellow who you know I, I love dearly, and they call me. They're like, "We're taking you for coffee," and I'm like, "Oh, okay. Yeah, what did I do happening? wrong?" <laughs> 
and they sit me down and they're like, you know, we'd like you to be the president, the next, the incoming so it's president. It's like some mob hit from Casino. Like, totally. Come, come, yeah, come. Don't worry. It'll all work out. An, yeah. offer, an offer you can't refuse. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. So it was kind of like that because I'm sitting there. I'm like, I can't say no to these guys. Like I, I had thought about it in the back of my mind, but I was thinking like maybe when I was 50. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Not, not, not in two years. Not you next, know, not 2020. It's next yeah, year. Next year. You know, that's and, awesome. And it's funny. And but you go, know what? Why not? Yeah. Well, that's, Why not? you know, Paul Hogan, right? I have that quote in my, on, on my wall in the office, you know, it's a secret to my success is I bit off more than I could chew. I kept chewing. I chewed as fast as I could. So I'm like, <laughs> that okay, yeah, yeah. let's just stack that on there, you know? And it was funny though, because Gordon <laughs> and awesome. Rick, they were like, well, you know, it's a big, it's a big decision. It's, it is a commitment. Uh, you don't have to make up your mind now. We'll give you 24 hours. <laughs> Deadlines are important. <laughs> Which, <laughs> and I'm asking other presidents, uh, past presidents of the club, I'm like, did you have to like make a decision within 24 hours? They're like, Oh no. You know, I got to, you know, think for it on a week or something. I was like, Oh damn it. Anyway, no, no regrets. Maybe they just knew you and put it, put the right criteria in place. Yeah, and, cl- and clearly you said yes. Mm. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Pressure prompted. Well, we live in a fast paced world. 24 hours. Come on. That's like, a, that's like a week, 10 years ago. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And another project. I know we're, 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 we got a lot of stuff to cover here today. It's been, oh. a, good, it's been a good chat. Spin for life. Yeah. Yeah. It's coming up next year. You're, uh, Co-founder, CFO, heavily yeah. heavily involved in this. In tell us a little bit, what is the endeavor? Yeah, yeah. so April fourth, twenty twenty, four twenty. Not to uh, you know. Yeah, I get it. I got it. But so <laughs> I, I um through through my meet, through my work with Rotary, you know, you just start to meet again. Like, you know, how do you shrink a city and your and your network? I found it's, it's through charities. It's through not for profit and th- and Rotary yeah, shrunk Calgary for me in a big way to like one half a degree separation. And just, you know, being part of all these people and meeting all these people, being involved with all this work. And so um, through that, I got involved with the Canadian Cancer Society. I mentioned my father passed from cancer when I was young. And uh, I'd never, you know, uh, raised money or done any sort of campaign or anything for cancer, right? I I don't know if there's like a a mental block in me to stay away from it, you know, until the time was right. but. Um, Sometimes we don't know those deep, those deep yeah. things. We don't know why we do what we don't do. Totally. Mm. You know, so um, Interesting. Dan Holinda, who is, um, uh, the, I guess, the president of the Western Canadian chapter for the uh, Canadian Cancer Society, always wanted me to get on the board. Um, and through, through my connections, I knew a few people on the board here. And, uh, but I was just too committed with Rotary, so I couldn't. But I said I would help out on like, fundraising, which is what everybody wants. Um, so I came on in an official capacity um, on the fundraising council. And so I was on there for a couple of years, and we, we did some good work here and there, but um, not, a, not, not, not a big impact, I don't think. You okay. know? Because if you think about it, there's you know, thousands and thousands of cancer charities in this country. They're all vying for that same dollar. You know? So the heart's there, the net's spread thin, uh, but they're all drinking from that same well. And the well's not as big as it used to be. And right. so for me, I, I think if you're ever looking at it, like the roll-up industry, what would be a right, a perfect industry for roll-up would be a lot of these not-for-profits and cancer uh, in particular. You know, because if, ha- if you focus all your efforts together and start to target some of the key researchers to, and... To tr- ultimately create a bigger impact. And create ROI, yes. right? So if you're throwing money at something, I want to know what, what my return on investment is, you know? Maybe that's just the life I'm in, but versus just no. And I've a lot of my friends I know in the non-profit that because that conversation is becoming a lot more real. I think it's being resisted in different different pockets, but there is organizations that are absolutely 
embracing results, results, results based, yeah. you know, back to your sustainability, back to your rotary model. Yeah. If we can't sustain this, then, you know, they give a, the teach a fish, give a fish. There's so many metaphors that go with it, mm-hmm. but running it a bit like more, and I, not to devalue, but as a business with outcomes is incredibly important. To me, it's mission critical as funds become more scarce. Yeah. A hundred percent, you know, and, and the not-for-profit industry does not have a capital markets mechanism to raise money. You know, that, that's an interesting no mech- comparison. Yeah, you know, you you, you know, you want to raise a billion dollars to go make you know violent video games or whatever. Have at it. You know, we're, we're yeah. Have you'll have no problem. Getting, you'll have no problem getting funding. But if we want to, you know, solve rare cancers, which is devastating, you know, our society, uh, you better not spend money doing it, or you're going to be chastised, demonized, right? So, so interesting. So it's a different playing set of rules, right? One of my heroes is Dan Pallotta, who, yes, who wrote right. the book on charitable. And, and if you haven't seen his TED Talk um, on um, uh, how we view charity, is completely backwards. It's, it blew my mind. That's a great TED Talk. It's my favorite of all time. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, Besides yeah. some of yours, of course. Uh, well, <laughs> I'll, st- I'll stop with the flatter air. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh, always selling, always selling. Yeah. So I am. Um, so keep it coming, keep it coming. So more. With, Say with, more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, you know, anyway. <laughs> Actually, you did something. I, I remember when I was first getting in my world here and I met and we met and you were just this dynamo. You're like, I have like, you, you had like five or six mentors rolling at all times. <laughs> you, you were in tech Canada. Like, nice. And you're, and every time, like, I thought my level of volume was high with the amount of activity I was doing and then we'd catch up and I'd just be like, Pfft. I can't even Thank hold a you. candle to that, man. You know. So, but I always, every through my whole development of of when I stepped into this world, I've always kept you in mind. Because you're like, hey, Eric, that's a very nice. And thing I to would say. Unco- consciously and unconsciously look for for that mentor and apply myself. And I couldn't find one. Then I went and then and then chose to be mentors for other people. And you know, the circle of life as we yeah, talked yeah, about yeah, earlier. Yes, we did. Know? Yeah. Thank so, you. I appreciate that feedback. Yeah. Anyway. It's funny. Um, I I resigned from tech. Oh. And it's been just coming up about two and a half years, and I just re-signed up because I missed being in that kind of a group environment so much. Like I literally just sent the paperwork in yesterday. So funny you bring up tech. Yeah. Just it, it, for anyone out there who doesn't have that peer group and doesn't have that people that, one, you can reach out to, and two, will hold you accountable – if you want to move forward in your life, that is probably one of the single best mechanisms you can put in place. Right. Yeah. Search it out. Find it. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, there, yeah. There's, there's your, there's thank your compliments you. Guys, for I'm, the I'm day. Blushing, I'm blushing a little bit. I'll take it. And I can, I can last a week on a good compliment. So thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. There's just, there's the sugar. Um, so yeah. Canadian Cancer Society. Back right? to the topic yeah. at hand. Yes. So um, uh, my role on the uh, fundraising council, I, I really... I realized I was kind of hitting an end for the amount of commitment and time I could put into it. Um, and there's other other organizations that I was working with as well. So um, I, I wanted to leave that role and leave the CCS uh, actually really doing some sort of good or having some sort of impact, right? Something measurable. Right. You, you, you know, you, you don't want to be a shark with no teeth, right? So anyway, so as... I was looking at yeah, for That's years. Quote of the day, right there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Quotable quotes by Eric. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I um, I was, I had this idea in the back of my mind to create this um, like spin event. I was going to spin class at the time. It was yeah, like, you're super passionate. Yeah, jazz. Not about it. Well, our good friend Rundle introduced me to it. it was, yes, it was hilarious. It's like a disco, but like really high level, heart healthy <laughs> disco. Yeah, yeah. Well, I listen to super like high BPM like electronic oh, dance music. <laughs> so absurd, but you leave there just like you know ten pounds lighter and. Hilarious. And talk about know. shared experience when you're in that dark. Anyways, yes. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. If you exactly. haven't done it even once, go give it a go. Give it a go. Yeah, exactly. And just you 
keep your ego down. It's just super fun. Anyway. It, it, if you don't, it'll get knocked down for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No choice. Yeah. Yes. So, to me, those are great environments. Yeah. So maybe you know, I I thought I'm like you know I, I would I started looking into like the Guinness records for for spin events, and there's this one with uh, like most money raised in an eight hour spin class or stationary cycle class, and I was like, and it was like forty eight thousand. British pounds. And I was like, oh, we could blow through that. And so I was starting to build my mind. Um, okay, let's do this Guinness Book of Records spin event here in Calgary for the CCS, right? And uh, my good friend, Jessica Jerome from the CCS, who I love her dearly. She's kept me there to this day. She's she's passionate. She's amazing. Um, her and I would go around the city. So we went to like the velodrome. We went to um, COP or, or Windsport. Yep. Just kind of, we, we, I, I talked to the guys that run uh, McMahon Stadium because we thought about doing it down in the middle of the football field. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, like, we had all these places set and available for us, you know, um, but we just didn't really, we couldn't really move the idea forward. And so it felt like it was kind of languishing on the shelf. Uh, and then one day through Rotary, we had a, a, a guest sitting in, sitting beside me actually at, at lunch, uh, Steve Naj and, uh, from Rocket House. And, and uh, we kind of hit it off, and so we followed up for a beer at, uh, I can't remember where, Wild Rose, I think, afterwards. And uh, I, I talked to him about Rotary and why he should join and all that good stuff. And yep. then at the very end of our conversation for five minutes, I talked about the spin idea I had in my mind. And um, he ran with it. He he went home that night. I get an email from him in the morning. Again, I, I don't oh, know how nice. I plant these seeds, you know. I don't do it intentionally. And he sends me this uh, PowerPoint presentation and this long email saying, you know, that thought, your idea, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. You know, um, the, the ability to have this, you know, contained environment, um, spin experience, right, where we can control the message from start to finish um, versus like other things where it's a multi-day ride where you can't really yep. control and contain the message. So this is this is a whole bunch to boil it down for anyone listening. Yeah. This is a whole bunch of people in a room spinning consecutively for an eight-hour period raising money well, for cancer. So it's I'm, uh, I'm oversimplifying yeah. just to give people something to bite onto. Yeah. So our friends from Air Sprint, James Elliott, from president of Air Sprint, um, offered up his uh, his jet hanger. Because you're going to be in a sexy hanger. Huh? Yeah, I, lo- I love those environments. Oh yeah. Well, okay. Well, we won't get smoked out, weathered out, and yep. it's going to be and it, cool. and it elevates it. Yeah. Yeah. So we we're going to have anytime um, you have private jets parked in the background, it's a good story. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a good day. <laughs> fully full full contained full production. It's going to be amazing. So we're going to have 180 bikes set up. So that's 180 riders uh, times eight riders. So eight one hours. So if you have yep. a team, yep. you could have a team of eight per bike. Right. Okay. Uh, each raising $1,000 to get on the bike. So it's not a big bite to, to, to crowdfund that. Yep. Uh, 100% of that, what you raise, goes to the end cause. Um, because of sponsors and people supporting it to handle all the to logistical cover the costs. costs. Yeah, nice. so we're not using any of the costs from the monies raised going to run the event. That's all corporate, yep. right? So, um, so 180 riders times eight, so 1440 riders times 1,000 per rider. That's 1.44 million. We're looking to raise base. For the CCS, you can direct that towards three key three key areas of um, uh, within the Canadian Cancer Society. Oh, so you, Society. Can, you can you can connect with the things that are important to you. So yeah, so one is uh, like patient clinical trials. Uh, one of them is actually like backing the research of some of these amazing people here in Calgary uh, about the university campus. Oh, nice! So it ties back into our own ecosystem oh, and some of the great things. Everything that are is local, and, and the that's third one is okay. That's awesome because yeah, people invest, especially cancer. Uh, money in their community, 
So they would rather see well, because, money flowing because for to so many of us, it is very close to home. Home, right? Yeah. You know, versus L- literally, in a rational world, I view at least. You know, if there's a guy out in Toronto, there I said the T word, uh, but he was leading. It's okay. It's not a dirty word in this office. Yeah. It's okay. It's all right. It's <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. It's I okay. saw the wall. Yeah, 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 totally. We have a mural of the Toronto Lights. Yeah, I'm very proud to have an. I always yeah. joke, Calgary needs a bit of Toronto. Toronto needs a bit of Calgary. You, totally. can, you can interpret that one any way you want. <laughs> yeah. But you know, in a, in the in the rational world, if we if there's a researcher uh, who is you know making huge strides with immunology for rare child cancers, why you know you our money you, you rationally would be like let's back him because he's running with it, you know. Yep. But for us out here, we're like no, not not to Toronto. We want to keep it in Calgary. So we give people the option. The third okay. option is the Wheels of Hope program, which is a volunteer driver program to get people to and from their chemo radiation appointments and that sort of thing. A friend of mine so. just recently went through uh, cancer treatments in Toronto and in, in Ottawa and he, yeah. and he used that service and yeah. he, like he had a party for them after to, he survived it, beat cancer, awesome. cancer free. Yeah. But he said that was a huge, like, because you know, he had, he had a one year old son at the yeah. time. His I, wife was trying to work. It was real. And that support yeah. network, he called it his cancer village yeah. and the people that all came together to support him. So yeah. yeah, I've recently just had someone I'm really close to go through that. Yeah. You know what? And that's, it's like one and two now, I think. Is I know. The numbers, it's crazy. Right? Before so. it was always felt like it was someone my parents knew. Now it's someone that like one of, I was, I was the MC at their wedding kind of relationship. Yeah. It gets very real, very quick. Totally. Yeah. So, so for the day we want, we want, and you know what I, what I realized, and at least in my world, people are tired of going to like dinner, fundraiser, you mean you're not ju- you know, You're not just going to hold a gala. <laughs> yeah, not ex- to criticize all of the great initiatives that hold galas, but yeah. we are looking, we're an experience driven society yeah, now. Totally. And the gala experience, a lot of us have had that experience. Yeah. Or golf yeah. tournaments, you know, like uh, But people, this, I haven't been to what you just described. Like, yeah. This sounds interesting. People want to be part of something. They want to be tested. They want to leave feeling sore, pain, like they put effort into something and then they're part of that community and that community story continues forward, which is why like the multi-day run walks are so amazing, which is why like the ride to conquer cancer is so attractive because people want to feel that, you know, when you make up, wake up the next day and you're going like, Oh, can't even walk. Well, if you you take, remember you, why you're doing so, that. And if you just take like going, doing a marathon or doing a road race or doing any of those things, the camaraderie and the connection you get with the people there, you take that already and then add a higher sense of purpose on top of it. Yeah. Like that's yeah. a, yeah. Like you're you're going to remember that for the rest of your life. Totally. Remember, remember that time we did that thing. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, so... Oh, that's the, great. That's And you said yeah. in April, April, April 4th, 4th, 2020. Yeah. So 1440 riders throughout the day. It's um, amazing. We're, we, what's interesting, when you take 1440 and the average mileage of a one-hour spin class actually puts you... Um, puts us throughout the day exactly the circumference of the globe. So as we're riding, it's an interesting throughout, coincidence. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> or not, yeah, hence or not. the one eighty. Yeah. So by design, by yeah, design. Yeah, totally. So you know, uh, throughout the day, we're gonna have the, the, all our three D imagery on the inside of the hangar shift and adjust as we cross those certain parts of the world until we end up at our final place achieving our goal. Right. So, uh, well, it's also gonna be fully integrated. We're gonna have a Man, hardcore that, that zone. Last stretch that last hour the energy that's going to be in that room is going to be insane. off the charts insane yeah you know because we're all reaching the finish line we're all winning together yeah you know, versus the marathon you just sometimes cross the finish line you're running your own race but in that case everybody's winning simultaneously oh yeah the psychology of that and the bonding that they'll anyways sorry I'm just yeah. I'm, I'm there I'm kind of living yeah. with that experience you're nailing like, it you're nailing it oh and my then, god and then it's also, like next level it's and like then we're going to blow layer on the Guinness Book of Records we're going to blow through that and then we have Guinness there so giving giving us that Guinness recognition and award as the yeah. entire group inside the in, the whole hangar 
is going to be part of that. So I layered the Guinness piece on because we rely, we're relying oh, heavily on corporate sponsor to yes. get this off the ground. And, you know, what do you get? For- Come on, associating yourself with the Guinness Book, that's awesome. That's cool. That's a cool factor. It's long term. You know, you're going to Google yourself for years to come. And, like, that's going to be one of the top things that kind of continues to come up because this isn't a one and done. It's a multi-year. We're launching out of Calgary for next year. And that's then awesome. Spin for Life will go Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, year two, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, um, you know, through Regina, out to Montreal, out to Toronto, until eventually we're running every year on all cylinders. And what's neat Back to is, your, is it sustainable? Yeah, you you know, and we've actually had um, Canadian Cancer Society mothership parent company out of on, from Toronto, kind of focus all their efforts and on this piece now. So, oh, that's fantastic! So all of so every single major city and all of their partners and net, and and people they've done huge events with are going to be behind doing this each year. That's fantastic. You know, so. To me, you know, on a secondary level, anything we can do to bring our country together that way, the the T word and all those yeah. jokes that we make, yes. like I absolutely believe in local, but we're all part of, we're all on this boat together. And this Canadian boat is pretty damn oh. awesome. So bringing the Toronto Calgary story together yes. and, and making it not about a Toronto Calgary story to me is a hundred percent required. Yeah. We need, we need to get that back because of the polarization in this country. Yes. Right. And so if we can say it's not about BC, Alberta, it's not about, no. it, it's like we have this connection activity it's all national it's all one like uh, that's why i think it's it's really cool coming out of calgary right that we're launching out of here at this time that's when we're kind of sitting here and you have this idea of western isolation you know again no it's very real right now we got elections coming up there's a lot of rhetoric going around right uh, now where this 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 goes above all that yeah 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 so a lot lot of a lot of um a lot of hooks things and a lot of going yeah, on yeah, there, layers. You know? Eric, I want to thank you. What a fantastic yeah. conversation. I think we're like, well, we're, we're getting into Rogan territory here. We're up like 80, min- 80 <laughs> minutes for chatting about. Yeah. Well, a really cool story. And as someone who's known you for a long time, and again, like I've always joked selfishly, you know, one of the amazing things about this podcast, which is what it's about, is being curious enough to ask the questions about sometimes the people you think you know their stories. Oh, mm-hmm. Eric did this and all oh, must be all nice to work out. And, you know, taking the time to go like, what was the path? What were some of the hardships? What did you go through? What did you learn? I really appreciated your transparency today of kind of like telling the story and oh, it's what makes it it's what we all want like you said it's about the narrative and make it real okay so where do I even start if someone wants to get a hold of you from a from a wealth management perspective where, yeah. where would they go is it LinkedIn do they email you call yeah. you directly what's the best path yeah uh, well I you know if you, if you just look my name up in Scotia Wealth uh, I am on LinkedIn uh, I, I don't use social media to the highest level that I could or should be. Right. Um, but I, I'm, 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 but if, I, if I put your name in the, in the computer, I'm going to yep. find, I'm going to find you. Yeah. And Perfect. then you'll find me through rotary club of Calgary, um, dot org and that's the downtown club okay and, fantastic yeah and, and, and what about spin for know, life what if i want to get involved spin in for this? life as well so spin for life thanks to the people that know what they're doing they you know we're on um spin for <laughs> we life we always need some people that know what they're doing <laughs> yeah spin for life on instagram okay. facebook linkedin you guys have a great uh, yeah. teaser like a a, a a sizzle reel that yeah i think people should check out it's very emotional i loved that i thought it was well done oh man yeah we launched that at hope blooms at uh, mccarthy tetro uh, earlier this year and it was just, you know, to a few hundred people and it was like, it was, it was so well received, you know, and, and it does a great job of summarizing, you know, why we're doing this event, you know, and so, so yeah, and you can just, yeah, look up uh, Spin for Life and you could sign up teams or, you know, we're, we're live, you know, we got how many, how many months until we're there? It's happy, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, April, April's around the corner when seven, it comes to, eight, when it comes to months, events. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, and if you had a pretty good sign-up so far, like, are people yeah, are getting some interest? Yeah, we're, we're ahead of schedule for the teams coming nice. on board. And, fantastic. And the one thing, of course, is uh, just trying to find the – we're not looking for, like, that key – 
corporate sponsor, that title sponsor, because I think in this economy, it's going to be super difficult to find yep. someone, especially off a new piece like this. So um, there's some risk aversion in this town. About, totally. I want let me let me sponsor the second event. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Or yeah. in case like the ride to conquer cancer, Enbridge didn't come on until like year five or something like that. Yes. And so. So and then they become the name sponsor. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. they they get all the benefits from it, right? Yeah. So which I appreciate that. That's yeah. kind of the natural. That's a whole other topic about risk aversion in this town and yeah. where it may be holding us back. But we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that another totally. day. Totally. Yeah. So we're looking right at that kind of. We we have like a, an awesome kind of mid level sponsorship uh, packages, I guess you can say for. So from for a sponsor's perspective, from a participant's perspective, yeah. go check it out. Check out Spin for Life. Reach out. I know you love to have coffee, so have a coffee. Have a coffee all with, the time. Have a coffee with Eric. Yeah, it, it is. It is part. It is the cornerstone of your business, is it not? It's. Uh, I drink too much of the stuff. Yes. Yeah, speaking of yeah. which, I think we should go grab a coffee. But. Sounds Eric, good. Eric, thanks a lot for your time today. It was great chat with you. Thank you, man.